Hello, hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. We are just so excited to be here tonight to worship with you guys. Let's get started. Stand up with us.
sweetly singing o'er the plains and the mountains in reply echoing the joyous strains
again. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him. Oh, come let us adore Him, Christ the
just thank you for the freedom to gather here and online to just worship you, God, and just we thank you for the gift of your son. Uh, I, I pray that that is an attitude of thankfulness that we will maintain all year, not just Christmas, God, but we just thank you so much for that, and I pray that you will be with Pastor Tim tonight as he delivers the word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. some lights on, huh? Well, good evening and welcome to our Christmas Eve service. If you're a guest with us tonight, we're so thankful that you're here. If you're joining us online, we're thankful for you as well. We've been praying for this night. We've been praying uh, that God would bring people into this house that we might be able to make Jesus famous tonight. And we're so glad that you're here with us to do that. This is a historic event that we're here to celebrate, the most significant event that has ever happened, that has ever taken place on planet Earth. It is the birth of Jesus Christ. Without the birth of Jesus Christ, we have nothing else. There is no cross. There is no redemption. There is no hope for us. It all starts with this eve, this night, the night Jesus was born. And of course, uh, Christmas isn't necessarily uh, the true day that Jesus is born, but this is the day that we set aside to celebrate the coming of our King. And so, man, I am so grateful. This is one of uh, two times of the year that we get to really focus on what God has done in terms of, you know, sending His Son on our behalf, that He might reconcile us to Him. And man, I am excited to share with you this morning how, how special Christmas really is. For many people, when we gather together, it's just a holiday. It's just something that they, that they celebrate, you know, uh, family and friends and food and fun, the four Fs, right? For us, it's something entirely different. 
I want to tell you a little bit of a story about myself growing up as we celebrated Christmas every year. There was one thing that I was incredibly excited about, and that was the gifts. Anybody else just excited about the gifts as a kid? You were just so excited about it, never giving Jesus a thought. Jesus wasn't present in my home. It wasn't present, you know, anything. we didn't really celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. It never really got brought up. So the thing that I had to focus on was the gifts. And I loved the gifts. You know, every year I put a list together and I couldn't wait to see what it was that I was going to get on that list. And of course, I was longing for that uh, Red Ryder BB gun. Oh, wait, that's not my story. That's Ralphie's story. But sometimes I get his life and my life uh, mixed up. But but I was the kind of kid that loved gifts so much that I, and I couldn't wait to open them up. And so what I would do is I would find myself at the tree almost multiple times a day, you know, trying to figure out what was what that had my name on it. Anybody else love to try and figure out your gifts? Like, kids, are you, any of you guys love to just go and feel your presence and, and try and figure out what is it that I'm getting? Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun. I have to brag a little bit. I don't mean to be super prideful here, but I was pretty good at it. <laughs> I, I, I did a pretty good job of uh, determining what was worthy of opening. And, and so I started to sequence my gifts based on what I thought was worthy. And, and I would set them aside. And, and, you know, of course, if they were a box of clothes, I'm like not interested, right? But I, I put all the cool stuff, or at least what I deemed to be the cool stuff, up front. And I would uh, long to, I would open those things up first. And I guarantee I drove my parents crazy. Because, like I said, I, I had a good, I had a, the ability to kind of figure it out. It wasn't super hard. I told them what I wanted. I just kind of figured that that's what they were getting me. So when I kind of, you know, felt around the gifts, I kind of figured, hey, this is what I asked for. This is probably what it is. Well, as I got older... Then I brought that same gifting. It's a spiritual gifting. I'm not going to make any, you know, I'm not going to apologize for that. But I brought that into my home with my wife. And, and she, she really doesn't like that, I found out. She doesn't like the fact that I have this innate ability to figure out what it is that I'm getting. And so she stopped me buying me gifts. And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, but, but <laughs> actually she didn't. She's a good gift giver. And, uh, um, but I, I don't do that anymore because... I don't want to ruin the surprise. And so, um, you know, but, but gift, get, when, you, when you guess what kind of gifts that you're going to be getting, there's hazards to that. Reminds me of a story I heard about a teacher who was good at guessing the gifts that she was given. And so one year she told her kindergarten class, she said, I'm going to take, pick some gifts here, and I'm going to tell you guys what I think they are, and then you're going to tell me uh, if I'm right or not. And so she, the first uh, gift that she grabbed was the florist son's gift and she took the gift she put it above her head and she shook it and she said I bet I know what it is some flowers and the boy said that's right how did you know and she said just a wild guess the next student uh, was the candy store owner's daughter so the teacher grabbed that gift and she put it over her head she shook it a little bit and she goes I bet you I can guess what this is a box of candy and of course the girl said that's right how did you know the girl said, and the, the teacher said, just a lucky guess. The next gift that she grabbed happened to be the liquor store owner's son. So she grabs that gift, and she begins to put it above her head, but it's leaking. 
And so she does what any smart person would do. She puts her finger there and on, the, on the leak, and she tastes it, and she said, hmm, is it wine? And, the, and the, the, the boy said, no, it's not wine. So she did it again. She took that, she tasted it again, and she said, huh, is it champagne? And he said, no. And she goes, well, I give up. I don't know what this could possibly be. And he goes, it's a puppy. You see that... Uh, that actually could work to uh, your disadvantage if she's not as good as she thought she was at that. She probably never played that game again. So contrary to popular belief, though, Christmas is all about a gift. It's not necessarily the gifts that we give each other, but it is about a gift, a, a very significant gift. It's about a gift that God gave us, the ultimate gift I promise you that no matter how good you are at guessing gifts that you could have never guessed what God would have wrapped up and sent down for you. I don't think anybody could have imagined what God's, the kind of gift that God would give mankind. And that's the kind of gift I want to talk to you today about, the gift of grace. Now, grace is typically defined as unmerited favor. I like to define it as Getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve, that's grace. Grace is not like uh, Call of Duty for some of you gamers out there where you can work hard and you can achieve levels and you can gain rank and you can, you know, these kinds of things. That's not the way grace works in the, 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 the kingdom of God. Grace is not based on who you are or what you've done. It's 100% based upon the person and the character and the nature of God himself. And it's centered on love. I love the way that Zodiotti's word study defines the word grace. It says that it is the absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men, finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. Isn't that a beautiful definition of grace? The absolutely free expression of the loving kindness of God to men finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of the giver. That tells us that grace is God's favor, listen, upon people who do not deserve it. God's favor upon people who do not deserve it. At the heart of grace is love, and specifically Agape love, that unconditional love that is given not as a result of something that I'm doing, but based totally and solely upon the giver, who is God in this case. He loves us not because we are worthy to be loved, but he loves us because he is love. That's an amazing truth. Some of us here tonight think that God loves us because we're worthy of being loved. Some of us think are distant from God because we think God can't possibly love me because I'm so unworthy. And what I want to tell you tonight, and in both cases, you're both wrong. God loves you because he's love. He is the epiphany. He is the true definition of what love is. And he loves us in a gracious manner, unmerited and undeserved. Grace is the most important gift that we've ever been given. And my hope is that as we unwrap this gift together tonight in such a way that it changes the way that we celebrate Christmas, not just 
today or tomorrow, but for the years to come. That we can truly capture what God has done in sending his son for us. My sermon comes from uh, the book of John, and we're going to be looking at the first chapter of John. If you have your Bible, you can certainly go there with me. We're going to have it up on the screen for you as well. Um, it's not really an account where we find ourselves at the manger or where we find ourselves, you know, looking at the shepherds or we talk about the, the magi coming or anything like that. What, you know, it's not really part of that Christmas scene. But what it does do a very good job of is describe the richness in, of the babe himself, the depth of the one who came for us. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. John chapter 1 Beginning in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and, light, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from the fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Father, will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask you to help us to unearth the depth of Christ in these, in, these past, in these verses here today, Lord. Will you help us to see the Christmas story here? Will you give us understanding of the person and the nature of Jesus and why he came and how we ought to respond to this great gift of grace that you've given us? We ask for you to be upon every heart in this place today, every person online, any person that would listen to this later, Lord, that you would draw all hearts to yourself. You would speak specifically to each one of us individually. Meet us where we are today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you tend Calvary Chapel, you're a little bit nervous right now because I just read 18 verses, and you know we go verse by verse through the Bible, and you're thinking, dude, it's Christmas Eve, it's 6.30, you said it was an hour, what are you doing? Let me rest, let me put your heart and mind at rest. I'm not going to go verse by verse through these verses. I read them for context, but I want to really draw your attention uh, specifically to verse 14. This is the primary verse that I want to talk about tonight. And what it says is that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. 
glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. I'm convinced of all, in all of my readings of the Scriptures that the Christmas story is no better portrayed than in John chapter 1, verse 14, where we find the Word, who became flesh. This is Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. This encapsulates the entire story of Christmas in these four words, the Word became flesh. The Apostle John, the one who knew Jesus perhaps more intimately and than anyone else on the planet is attempting to reveal to us here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit something, something incredible about Christmas. The fact of the matter is the Word became flesh. Now this begs the question, who is the Word? Well, we, we, we find that the Word is defined already for us in these verses here. In verse 1 it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, key word, He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word is defined as a Him here in these verses. Not only that, but, but it tells us something very specific about the person that it's defining here. Three things it shows us here in, in these verses. Number one, that the Word was preexistent. That it was with God in the beginning. Secondly, the word is coexistent. That he was with God. Or he was in the beginning. That's preexistent. He was with God. That's coexistent. And finally, he is self-existent. He is God. John 1.1. 1, 1, he is the pre-existent God. He is the coexistent God. He is the self-existent God. He is God. This is the word that we're talking about here. John is revealing to us in the 14th verse of this chapter the nature of this birthday boy that we're here to celebrate, the Word that became flesh. He has a nature that is unlike any other person that has ever and will ever be born. The baby, this baby has a nature of deity. He's God in the flesh. Isn't that fascinating? We think about God Himself becoming flesh. It speaks of the sincerity of our God. It speaks of the intimacy of our God. It speaks of the love of our God, that He Himself would come. Anybody watch the, the Office, uh, the series, you know, TV series, The Office? Anybody watch that? Got some big Office fans here? Well, you'll remember then that at the very last episode of The Office... That there was an invitation to a wedding, to Dwight's wedding, remember? And, and he invited all these people to come, and, and they were all showed up, and, and everybody was there. But there was one in particular invitation that he was longing to see fulfilled. It was the invitation that he extended to his prior boss, Michael Scott. Do you remember his response when, when Michael stood behind him and, and Jim was getting Dwight's attention? He said, I've got something special to show you, Dwight. And Michael Scott comes out and he goes, Michael, you came. He couldn't believe that he showed up. It blew his mind that he had actually attended the wedding. I don't think, you know, that's on, on a horizontal level, the vertical level, God came down. That should blow your mind. That should just totally level you to the point where God himself came. He didn't send somebody else. He himself came down. 
What the Holy Spirit describes for us in John 1.14 is the unbelievable reality of God Himself coming down on behalf of man. And it tells us the nature of, uh, of who He is, that He is God. Why does this matter? This matters because this is what was prophesied. This is what was prophesied. God had said He Himself would come. And so it's important that he fulfill his word. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we find the prophecy there that says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name what? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Prophetic word. Not only is it a miracle, number one, this birth, the fact that it that he was born of a virgin, that, by the way, is fulfillment of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where he said it's the seed of the woman that would crush the enemy. And it was the, the virgin birth of Jesus that was the fulfillment of that passage there. But it tells us something specific, that he shall be called Emmanuel. He will be God with us. It's not that his name had to be Emmanuel, but he shall be called Emmanuel. It's a title meaning God with us. That truth again is reiterated just two chapters later in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 where it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God literally became a man, folks. His name is Jesus. He is the Word who became flesh. Now imagine with me for a moment that you're there that starry night when this brand new baby boy is born. You walk into this stable that's really nothing more than a cave and you smell the stench of animals. You look around and it's dirty, dingy, and you see there, maybe in the center of that cave, a little trough, whether it was wooden or stone, who knows? But what you find there is a baby laying in there. This is the way that the Son of God came. Now, I can imagine this is probably not the way that we would imagine God coming. Right? We would think that He would come with trumpets and carpet rolled out and all of these things, and yet He comes in a totally different way. This scene is inconceivable. The fact that God would enter the human race at all is unbelievable, let alone like this. The Apostle Paul tells us that Jesus emptied himself to come. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of man. This is no ordinary birth, folks. This is an extraordinary birth. God became flesh and dwelt among us. But Jesus had to empty himself to come. It cost him something. It's interesting that when uh, Jesus, in his uh, high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, when he's praying for us, actually, for all those believers who would come after him, the thing that he says is, Father... Bring these that you've given to me into your fold, into your home, that they might see the glory that I had beforehand. 
He's recognizing the fact that he laid aside something in order to come for us. That he humbled himself. And therefore, he expects us to humble ourselves. He didn't come as a victorious king the first time. He will the second time. The first time he came as a suffering servant. And he came in humility. And he came bowing low. He came in the lowest of low that he could come. And it is interesting that the, the, the announcement of the Christ coming was to the lowliest of the low, to the shepherds who were out in the countryside. Jesus came to save all and any who would believe upon him. It's so interesting to me that God would come himself and that he would come in this way. What he is doing is identifying with each and every person in the world He's saying there's not a single person that I didn't come for. I came for everyone. He started with the lowest, and I don't care how great you think you are, God is saying that he came for you. You need him. You need, you, there needs to be a desperation for him. Let me tell you something. Some, of, some, some people here today may be wondering why in the world God would do that. They don't feel worthy of that, and, and maybe it's because of mistakes you've made in your life or whatever, and, and, and you, don't, you don't understand why God would do that. As I said earlier, it's, it's not because of who you are. It's because of who He is. It's His great love that has driven Him to such uh, drastic uh, measures that He would come for you. Not only does, does God desire to be with you, but he wants to take his proper place in life with you. Not only did the word become flesh, but then the, the passage goes on and it says that he dwelt among us. You know where the proper place of God is? Most of us think the proper place of God is in heaven. The proper place of God is with his people. Did you know that? The, his people are his dwelling place. And in fact, uh, that's what we learn in Revelation chapter 21 verse 3. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. In the garden of Eden, God was dwelling with man. And when that was lost, when sin entered the world and it broke that fellowship with God, and Adam and Eve were banned from the garden. They could no longer dwell with God. He could not tabernacle with them. He immediately made a about a way that he could come back to dwell with his people. And it was through Jesus Christ. His proper place in your life is to dwell with you. He longs to dwell with you. Why would God come for me? Because he wants to be in his proper place in your life. He created you, and He desires to dwell with you. Man, if that isn't beauty, I don't know what is. If that doesn't speak about relationship, you know, nowhere are we hearing about God wanting you to keep these ten rules or keep all these things. What God wants to do is dwell with you, and so He made a way for you. He sent His Son Jesus for you that you might be reconciled to Him. Why would He do that? Because He loves you. For some of you, you cannot comprehend that. For some of you, you don't understand because you, you've never really experienced love here, and any kind of love here is not comparable to the love of God, by the way. 
You can have the greatest marriage in the world, and it's still not comparable to the kind of love that God has for us. He loves you right where you are. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is God demonstrating his love that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died. God said, I love you at your worst. I want to dwell with you. And so what did he do? He sent a sacrifice for you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus is all about sacrifice, folks. It's about a gift that's being given to you and I so that we can be reconciled to God so that he can dwell with us. He longs to be in his rightful place in your life. Verse 14 goes on to tell us that Jesus is the manifest grace of God, that he is full of grace and truth. When the word became flesh, it's it's as if God was wrapping up a gift for you and I. The imagery is undeniable. God wrapping himself up in human flesh to become the manifest grace of God. Jesus is the gift of grace from God to you and I. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 26 says it all for us. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. It's not something you've earned. It's not something you deserve. It's a gift. And it's by grace. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When you look at the Old Covenant, you look at the Old Testament, you read through it, this is God passing over sin. This is God saying there has to be a blood sacrifice and I pass over the sin. The sin is not taken away. It's covered. God is passing over. It's the idea of the Passover. That, that Passover where there in Egypt, God said, I'm going to send an angel of death over all of the people in the land of Egypt. And only those who have the blood on the lintel and the doorpost will be saved from the angel of death. And of course, his people obeyed his voice. They slay the lamb. They put the, 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 the blood on the doorposts and on, on the lintel and, and forming a cross, a cross of blood. Of course, when the angel of death came over, All of the Egyptian people, their firstborn children died because they they weren't covered under the blood. God passed over, but in the present time, he has removed sin through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, completely and totally. You are washed clean. You are presented as an unblemished lamb in Christ. Why? Because his blood is enough for you. His blood is enough. He He made propitiation. That word literally means he satisfied the wrath of God. He satisfied the righteousness of God. He fulfilled the law for you. It doesn't mean we go live our life and do whatever we want and all of these sorts of things, but we do our best. But, but understand, where sin abounds, grace abounds the more for the Christian. We're covered under the blood of Christ. Why would God do such a thing? Because he longs to dwell with you. He longs to dwell with you. This is the Christmas story. It's a beautiful story. It's a redemptive story. It's a story, of, a love story above all love stories where God himself would come down 
to this earth and visit us in the likeness of human flesh to restore his rightful place of dwelling with us and we with him. I pray that you see this evening as you look at the, 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 uh, the uh, presents that are under your tree that you're reminded that it was God who gave you a present who hung on a tree for you. The tree, speaking of the cross, it's symbolic of the grace that's been given to us. It's only by the cross, by the gift of grace given, that you and I can find redemption. And I hope that you find that tonight if you're not in right relationship with Christ. That this Christmas you would start out on the right foot, recognizing what all of this is about. Listen, it is not about gathering with family, although that is so great. And we love to do that. And we love to bless people with gift giving and all of these kinds of things. But Christmas is not about any of that stuff. What Christmas is about is God giving us a way to be forgiven. About God giving us a sacrifice so that you and I can be in right relationship with Him. That is what Christmas is all about. Well, this leads us to our final point. In order for this gift of grace to be enjoyed, you might notice what we read there in verse 12, but it has to be received. It was John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 that said, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You see, the whole story but of God there, the whole story is God's redemptive plan. God put this in order. It wasn't a plan of man. It wasn't a plan of uh, any kind of fleshly plan. It was a divine plan from God. And I want to tell you tonight that many people believe in Jesus. But here what we find that believing in Jesus isn't enough. It's not enough to simply say, I acknowledge the Son of God. That is not enough. This passage tells us that in order for us to truly, truly receive the gift, we are to truly experience the gift, to enjoy the gift, we have to receive the gift. There's something that has to happen other than us believing. We have to receive the gift. No gift can be fully realized until it's first received and enjoyed. The same holds true for the gift of grace, who is Jesus. He has to be received in order for you and I to truly enjoy Him and for us to be restored into that rightful place of dwelling with God. We must receive Him as Lord and Savior. How do we do that? Well, we just read it in Romans chapter 3, verse 25. It told us we receive it by faith. We go out and we take it by faith. We receive it by faith. We say, I believe that that was for me and I'm receiving it by faith. What is faith? Faith is believing without having to see. You don't have to see Jesus being given as a gift. You believe it. Why? Because God said it. It's by faith. We have no problem reading historical books that say, oh yeah, George Washington was a real person, first president of the United States, no problem, I believe it. Why do you believe it? You're operating in faith. You realize that. Because you weren't there. You don't know who George Washington is. You don't know anything about the facts that are written about him other than you're trusting in the person who wrote that down that that is in fact true. Well, here's the thing is the Bible was not 
It was written by man, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. It was written by God, really. And his book is not just a religious book. It is, it is a historical book. It's his story. It's history. And he wrote it down for you and I to believe in. And we believe in it by faith. How we can't enjoy this gift unless we exercise faith and receive it. Will you receive it tonight? Will you receive this gift by faith tonight? Listen to me. You'll never regret receiving this gift. For in it, you'll find forgiveness for your sins. You'll find completeness and fullness. And you'll find life and salvation. God is offering you and I all of this and more through this one gift. This gift of grace is Son, Jesus Christ. And you have a choice. You can either receive it or you can reject it. God has left that up to you. You, you can uh, decide what you want to do there. But this is what the Christmas story boils down to, folks. It boils down to the reception by faith of this glorious gift of salvation or the rejection of it. Every one of us in this room are in need of this gift. And many of you have already received that gift. And so you're enjoying that. And, and Christmas for you is is something special because you understand that you have been given forgiveness, that you're complete in Christ, that you are full and you're walking in newness of life. And so you're truly enjoying this gift because you've received it. Some of you are here today and you haven't truly received it. You may believe about Jesus. You may understand Scripture. You may pray, uh, you know, different prayers and you might memorize Scripture and all of those kinds of things. But listen, there's only one thing that can save you. And that is receiving Jesus Christ. I don't care how much you know about him. The question is, does he know you? It's not how much you know about him, but does he know your name? Has he said, this one is mine and no one can take him from or her from my hand? That's ultimate question you have to ask yourself tonight. Am I truly in Christ, have I truly received this gift that has been given? Christ is right now offering that to you. He's offering the free gift of salvation. He wants to forgive the sins of man. He wants to forgive your sins tonight. It doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. He wants to bring forgiveness in your life. He wants to take that proper dwelling place in your life, and he wants to commune with you. He wants to be in fellowship with you. The question is, will you receive it? You have to take that step. And when I say receive it, what you have to do is give your life over to him. It's a full surrender to Christ. He's not into to half in, half out. You fully come to him or you don't receive him. That's the way he did it for you. Right? He, went, he came as a baby. He lived a sinless life. He uh, you know, went to the cross. He was crucified. Then he rose again from the dead. He gave all for you. And he expects nothing less from us. He wants us to, to give all back to him. Listen, if you're feeling that impression on your heart tonight that you're not sure where you sit when it comes this Christmas day, then take a step of faith tonight and receive Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. It doesn't matter if you go to church or you don't go to church. The reality is that the scriptures have spoken, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. And I'll tell you what, it, it was the absolute best decision I've ever made in my life. 
My life radically changed at the age of 24 years old. I did not, was not raised in the church. I didn't know anything about Jesus. But one night in the middle of the night in my bedroom, I was miraculously changed. Why? Because I received Christ. How did I do it? I didn't do it at a church service. I didn't do it because a preacher was asking me to do it. I did it because I knew I needed Jesus in that moment. It was the darkest moment of my life. And yet Christ came in and he brought life. And I promise you, I don't know where you are in life today, but uh, Christ is the answer. Jesus is the answer. If you need life, he's the answer. If you need encouragement, you, he's the answer. No matter, you know, we live in, we're living in unprecedented times, man. Our, our world is going nuts, but you know what? Jesus is constant. He stays the same. And he wants to be in relationship with you tonight, and so he's calling you by name. The Bible says you cannot call upon him unless the Father draws you. And if you're feeling that drawing tonight, do not, do not say no. Receive him tonight. I don't care who you are or what you've done. Again, just, just make sure you do that. God has thought so much of you that he himself came for you. He didn't send a proxy. He didn't send a stand-in. He came himself. That should tell you how much he loves you. He really does love you, not because of who you are, but of, because of who he is. And his love demonstrates this gift of grace. And what a gift it is. The song written by John Newton, you know the words, amazing grace. It is amazing grace. It is absolutely amazing grace. But I want to draw your attention to the second, the, the second uh, uh, verse there where it says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace that my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first Believe the gift of grace is available for you tonight. You'll never truly fully enjoy it or experience it until you receive it. Ask John Newton. He knows. That's why he wrote the song. He said, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And when he's saying believed, he means turning his life over to Christ and receiving him. He was a transformed man. And God wants to transform you tonight. I hope that you will take that into consideration. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for your word and for just your goodness in our lives. Father, we thank you for the gift of grace in your son, Jesus Christ, whom we are here to celebrate. Lord, we thank you for the redemption that comes in such a form, in a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lord, we thank you for this precious gift. And we ask tonight that if we have lost the wonder of Christmas, that you restore that in our hearts, that, that our hearts are drawn to a place of intimacy with you where we would be reminded that you so love us, that you gave your only begotten son. You so love us that you gave all so that you could dwell with us. You so love us so that we can be forgiven for our sins. We thank you, Lord. We ask you to help us to make Christ the center of our celebration this Christmas season. May we all remember, no matter what the gifts are traded here in the next day or so, Lord, the greatest gift that we've been given is you. 
As we continue to pray, I want to ask you tonight, if you are not in right relationship with Christ, if you're watching online, if you're listening to this, I want to ask you to slip up your hand if you want to receive Christ tonight. You want your sins to be forgiven. You want to be in right relationship with Christ. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I want to pray. We're going to pray a prayer with you tonight where you're going to ask Christ. You're going to receive Jesus Christ. Again, it's not enough to just believe in him, but you have to receive him. Anybody here tonight need to be in right relationship with God? You're not sure if you're in right relationship with God. Tonight's the night. Just lift your hand. It's by faith that you're doing that. God bless you. Is there anyone else that wants to receive Christ? He died to, to, to give you life, and that's his only purpose in, in coming is to be reconciled to you. Is there anyone else? God, we're so thankful for you. Move in the hearts of these people, Lord. You know. One more time, is there anyone else? Just slip your hand up. Awesome. Well, thank you. For those who lifted your hand up, I want all of us, actually, we're going to just repeat a prayer and we're going to celebrate for those who desire to come into Christ. I just ask you to repeat this prayer after me out loud. All of us join in together. We say, Father, thank you for the gift of grace. Who is Jesus? I come by faith. Recognizing I'm a sinner. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. I repent. I repent. I'm turning away, I'm turning away from, my sin. from my sin. Now help me, now help me not, to go back not to go back to my sinful ways. I believe that Jesus came. That he lived a sinless life. That he died for me. And he rose again, and he rose again for, me. for me. I receive him now. I receive him now. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Will you celebrate with me? Awesome, awesome, awesome. Praise the Lord. Well, hey, we're going to close in a, a candlelight lighting here tonight as we sing Silent Night. And I just pray that the words of this song will just strike a chord in your heart. It will draw you to a place of awe as we remember the great gift that God has given us in his son. Stand with me and you can light your candles. Thank you so much.
all together. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Awesome. Let's give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you so much for coming. Hey, we have a birthday cake here. Uh, Amy Gotti's made for us. Great cake. Make sure you get a piece. Hang out with us. We're going to fellowship and all. So God bless you guys. Have a great Christmas. <laughs>